Section 22 of Beacon Lights of History, Volume 2, Jewish Heroes and Prophets, by John Lord. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by K. Hand. St. Paul, Part 1. Died about 67 A.D. The Spread of Christianity. The scriptures say but little of the life of Saul from the time he was a student at the age of 15 at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the most learned rabbis of the Jewish Sanhedrin at Jerusalem, until he appeared at the martyrdom of Stephen when about thirty years of age. Saul, as he was originally named, was born at Tarsus, a city of Sicilia, about the fourth year of our era. His father was a Jew, a Pharisee, and a man of respectable social position. In some way not explained, he was able to transmit to his son the rights of Roman citizenship, a valuable inheritance as it proved. He took great pains in the education of his gifted son, who early gave promise to great talents and attainments in rabbinical lore, and who also gained some knowledge, although probably not a very deep one, of the Greek language and literature. Saul's great peculiarity as a young man was his extreme pharisaism, devotion to the Jewish law in all its minuteness of ceremonial rites. We gather from his own confessions that at that period when he was engrossed in the study of the Jewish scriptures and religious institutions, he was narrow and intolerant, and zealous almost to fanaticism, to perpetuate ritualistic conventionalities and the exclusiveness of his sect. He was austere and conscientious, but his conscience was unenlightened. He exhibited nothing of that large-hearted charity and breadth of mind for which he was afterward distinguished. He was, in fact, a bitter persecutor of those who professed the religion of Jesus, which he detested as an innovation. His morality being always irreproachable, and his character and zeal giving him great influence, he was sent to Damascus with authority to bring to Jerusalem for trial or punishment those who had embraced the new faith. He is supposed to have been absent from Jerusalem during the ministry of our Lord, and probably never saw him who was despised and rejected of men. We are told that Saul, in virulence of his persecuting spirit, consented to the death of Stephen, who was no ignorant Galilean, but a learned Hellenist. Nor is there evidence that the bitter and relentless young Pharisee was touched either by the eloquence or blameless life or terrible sufferings of the distinguished martyr. The next memorable event in the life of Saul, at that time probably a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, was his conversion to Christianity as sudden and unexpected as it was profound and lasting, while on his way to Damascus on the errand already mentioned. The sudden light from heaven which exceeded in brilliancy the torrid midday sun, the voice of Jesus which came to the trembling persecutor as he lay prostrate on the ground, the blindness which came upon him, all point to the supernatural, for he was no inquirer after the truth like Luther and Augustine, but bent on a persistent course of cruel persecution. At once he is a changed man in his spirit, in his aims, in his entire attitude toward the followers of the Nazarene. The proud man becomes as docile and humble as a child, the intolerant zealot for the law becomes broad and charitable, and only one purpose animates his whole subsequent life, which is to spend his strength amid perils and difficult labors in defense of the doctrines he had spurned. His leading idea now is to preach salvation not by pharisaical works by which no man can be justified, but by faith in the crucified one who was sent into the world to save it by new teachings and by his death upon the cross. 
he will go anywhere in his sublime enthusiasm among jews or among gentiles to plant the precious seeds of the new faith in every pagan city which he can reach it is thought by coney bear and hausen farrar and others that the new convert spent three years in retirement in arabia in profound meditation and communion with god before the serious labors of his life began as a preacher and missionary after his conversion it would seem that paul preached the divinity of christ with so much zeal that the jews in damascus were filled with wrath and sought to take his life and even guarded the gates of the city for fear that he might escape the conspiracy being detected the friends of saul put him in a basket made of ropes and let him down from a window in a house built upon the city wall so that he escaped and thereupon proceeded to jerusalem to be endorsed as a christian brother he was especially desirous to see peter as the foremost man among the christians though james had greater dignity peter received him kindly though not enthusiastically for the remembrance of his relentless persecutions was still fresh in the minds of the christians it was impossible however that two such warm-hearted honest and enthusiastic men should not love each other when the common leading principle of their lives was mutually understood among the disciples however it was only peter who took saul cordially by the hand the other leaders held aloof not one so much as spoke to him he was regarded with general mistrust even james the lord's brother the first bishop of jerusalem would hold no communion with him at length joseph a levite of cyprus afterwards called barnabas a man of large heart who sold his possessions to give to the poor recognizing saul's sincerity and superior talents extended to him the right hand of fellowship and later became his companion in the missionary journeys which he undertook he used his great influence in removing the prejudices of the brethren and saul henceforth was admitted to their friendship and confidence saul at first did not venture to preach in hebrew synagogues but sought the synagogue of the hellenists in which the voice of stephen had first been heard but his preaching was again cut short by a conspiracy to murder him so fierce was the animosity which his conversion had created among the jews and he was compelled to flee the brethren conducted him to the little coast village of caesarea whence he sailed for his native city tarsus in cilicia how long saul remained in tarsus and what he did there we do not know not long probably for he was sought out by barnabas as his associate for missionary work in antioch it would seem that on the persecution which succeeded stephen's death many of the disciples fled to various cities and among others to that great capital of the east the third city of the roman empire thither barnabas had gone as their spiritual guide but he soon found out that among the greeks of that luxurious and elegant city there were demanded greater learning wisdom and culture than he himself possessed he turned his eyes upon saul then living quietly at tarsus whose superior tact and trained skill in disputation large and liberal mind and indefatigable zeal marked him out as the fittest man he could find as a coadjutor in his laborious work thus saul came to antioch to assist barnabas no city could have been chosen more suitable for the peculiar talents of saul than this great eastern emporium containing a population of five hundred thousand i need not speak of its works of art its palaces its baths its aqueducts its bridges its basilicas its theatres which called out even the admiration of the citizens of the imperial capital these were nothing to saul who thought only of the souls he could convert to the religion of jesus but they indicate the importance and wealth of the population in this pagan city were half a million people steeped in all the vices of the oriental world 
a great influence of heterogeneous races mostly debased by various superstitions and degrading habits whose religion so far as they had any was a crude form of nature worship and yet among them were wits philosophers rhetoricians poets and satirists as was to be expected in a city where greek was the prevailing language but these were not the people who listened to saul and barnabas the apostles here found hearers chiefly among the poor and despised artisans servants soldiers sailors although occasionally persons of moderate independence became converts especially women of the middle ranks poor as they were the christians at antioch found means to send a large contribution in money to their brethren at jerusalem who were suffering from a grievous famine a year was spent by barnabas and saul at antioch in founding a christian community or congregation or church as it was called and it was in this city that the new followers of christ were first called christians mostly made up as they were of gentiles the missionaries had not much success with the jews although it was their custom first to preach in the jewish synagogues on the sabbath it was only the common people of antioch who heard the word gladly for it was to them tidings of joy which raised them above their degradation and misery with the contributions which the christians of antioch and probably of other cities made to their poorer and afflicted brethren barnabas and saul set out for jerusalem soon returning however to antioch not to resume their labors but to make preparations for an extended missionary tour saul was then thirty-seven years of age and had been a christian seven years in spite of many disadvantages such as ill health a mean personal appearance and a nervous temperament without a ready utterance saul had a tolerable mastery of greek familiarity with the habits of different classes and a profound knowledge of human nature as a widower and childless he was unencumbered by domestic ties and duties and although physically weak he had great endurance and patience he was courteous in his address liberal in his views charitable to faults abounding in love adapting himself to people's weaknesses and prejudices a man of infinite tact the loftiest most courageous most magnanimous of missionaries setting an example to the xaviers and judsons of modern times he doubtless felt that to preach the gospel to the heathen was his peculiar mission so that his duty coincided with his inclination for he seems to have been very fond of traveling he made his journeys on foot accompanied by a congenial companion when he could not go by water which was attended with less discomfort and was freer from perils and dangers than a land journey the first missionary journey of barnabas and saul accompanied by bark was to the isle of cyprus they embarked at seleucia the port of antioch and landed at salamis where they remained a while preaching in the jewish synagogue and then traversed the whole island which is about one hundred miles in length wherever they made a lengthened stay saul worked at his trade as a sail and tent maker so as not to be burdensome to any one his life was very simple and inexpensive thus enabling him to maintain that independence so essential to self-respect no notable incident occurred to the three missionaries until they reached the town of neopaphos celebrated for the worship of venus the residence of the roman proconsul sergius paulus a man of illustrious birth who amused himself with the popular superstitions of the country he sought probably from curiosity to hear barnabas and saul preach but the missionaries were bitterly opposed by a jewish sorcerer called elamus who was stricken with blindness by saul the miracle producing such an effect on the governor that he became a convert to the new faith there was no evidence that he was baptized but he was respected and beloved as a good man from that time the apostle assumed the name of paul he also assumed the control of the mission 
Barnabas gracefully yielding the first rank, which till then he had himself enjoyed. He had been the patron of Saul, but now became his subordinate, for genius ever will work its way to ascendancy. There are no outward advantages which can long compete with intellectual supremacy. From Cyprus the missionaries went to Perga in Pamphylia, one of the provinces of Asia Minor. In this city, famed for the worship of Diana, their stay was short. Here Mark separated from his companions and returned to Jerusalem, much to the mortification of his cousin Barnabas, and the grief of Paul, since we have a right to infer that this brilliant young man was appalled by the dangers of the journey, or had more sympathy with his brethren at Jerusalem than with the liberal yet overbearing spirit of Paul. From Perga the two travellers proceeded to Antioch in Pisidia, in the heart of the high tablelands of the peninsula, and, according to their custom, went on Saturday to the Jewish synagogue. Paul, invited to address the meeting, set forth the mystery of Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and the salvation which he promised to believers. But the address raised a storm, and Paul retired from the synagogue to preach to the Gentile population, many of whom were favorably disposed and became converted. The same thing subsequently took place at Philippi, at Alexandria, at Troas, and in general throughout the Roman colonies. But the influence of the Jews was sufficient to secure the expulsion of Paul and Barnabas from the city, and they departed, shaking off the dust from their feet, and turning their steps to Iconium, a city of Lyconia, where a church was organized. Here the apostles tarried some time, until forced to leave by the Orthodox Jews, who stirred up the heathen population against them. The little city of Lystra was the scene of their next labors, and as there were but few Jews there, the missionaries had not only rest, but were very successful. The sojourn at Lystra was marked by the miraculous cure of a cripple, which so impressed the people that they took the missionaries for divinities, calling Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury, and a priest of the city absolutely would have offered up sacrifices to the supposed deities, had he not been severely rebuked by Paul for his superstition. At Lystra a great addition was made to the Christian ranks by the conversion of Timothy, a youth of fifteen, and of his excellent mother Eunice. But the report of these conversions reached Iconium and Antioch of Pisidia, which so enraged the Jews of these cities that they sent emissaries to Lystra, zealous fanatics, who made such a disturbance that Paul was stoned and left for dead. His wounds, however, were not so serious as were supposed, and the next day he departed with Barnabas for Derby, where he made a long stay. The two churches of Lystra and Derby were composed almost wholly of heathen. From Derby, the apostles retraced their steps, A.D. 46, to Antioch, by the way they had come, a journey of 120 miles and full of perils, instead of crossing Mount Taurus through the famous pass of the Sicilian Gates, and then through Tarsus to Antioch, an easier journey. One of the noticeable things which marked this first missionary journey of Paul was the opposition of the Jews wherever he went. He was forced to turn to the Gentiles, and it was among them that converts were chiefly made. It is true that his custom was first to address the Jewish synagogues on Saturday, but the Jews opposed and hated and persecuted him the moment he announced the grand principle which animated his life, salvation through Jesus Christ instead of through obedience to the venerated law of Moses. On his return to Antioch with his beloved companion, Paul continued for a time in the peaceful ministration of apostolic duties until it became necessary for him to go to Jerusalem to consult with the other apostles in reference to a controversy which began seriously to threaten the welfare of their common cause. This controversy was in reference to the right of circumcision, a right ever held in supreme importance by the Jews. 
the jewish converts to christianity had all been previously circumcised according to the mosaic law and they insisted on the circumcision of the gentile converts also as a mark of a christian fraternity paul emancipated from jewish prejudices and customs regarded this right as unessential he believed that it was abrogated by christ with the other technical observances of the law and that it was not consistent with the liberty of the gospel to impose rights exclusively jewish on the pagan converts the elders at jerusalem good men as they were did not take this view they could not bear to receive into complete christian fellowship men who offended their prejudices in regard to matters which they regarded as sacred and obligatory as baptism itself they would measure christianity by their traditions and the smaller the point of difference seemed to the enlightened paul the bitterer were the contests even as many of the schisms which subsequently divided the church originated in questions that appear to us to be absolutely frivolous the questions very early arose whether christianity should be a formal and ritualistic religion a religion of ablutions and purifications of distinctions between ceremonially pure and impure things or rather a religion of the spirit whether it should be a sect or a universal religion paul took the latter view declaring circumcision to be useless and freely admitted heathen converts into the church without it in opposition to those who virtually insisted on a gentile becoming a jew before he became a christian so to settle this miserable dispute paul went to jerusalem taking with him barnabas and titus who had never been circumcised eighteen years after the death of christ when the apostles were old men and when peter james and john having remained at jerusalem were the real leaders of the jewish church james in particular called the just was a strenuous observer of the law of circumcision a severe and ascetic man and very narrow in his prejudices but held in greater veneration for his piety before the question was brought up in a general assembly of the brethren for discussion paul separately visited peter james and john and argued with them in his broad and catholic spirit and won them over to his cause so that through their influence it was decided that it was not essential for a gentile to be circumcised on admission to the church only that he must abstain from meats offered to idols and from eating the meat of any animal containing the blood forbidden by moses a sort of compromise a measure by which most quarrels are finally settled and the title of paul as the apostle to the gentiles was officially confirmed the controversy being settled amicably by the leaders of the infant church paul and barnabas returned to antioch and for a while longer continued their labors there as the most important center of missionary operations but the ardent soul of paul could not bear repose he set about forming new plans, and the result was his second and more important missionary tour. End of section 22